Wow, this is the highest pulpit in the world. <laughs> As a Korean, I'm not the small guy. Uh, I have a great height, but I think you know this is perfect, perfect for me. Uh, thanks so much for your invitation and great hospitality uh, to be here. Uh, I came to United States when I was 27 years old. So I grew up most of my times uh, in Korea. And then I studied in Southern Baptist Theological Seminary for about 20 years, I mean 10 years. <laughs> I finished my master and also PhD. During the coursework, I planted a church in Nashville, Tennessee. And then I moved to uh, Washington State another nine years there to be a senior pastor. And then God called me uh, to be in South Korea about four years ago as Dr. Uh, Jason Allen said that, you know, right after that, you know, pandemic situation, you know, happened. So I had a very hard time, but by the grace of God, church has been growing continually. Uh, so uh, I cannot explain anything about the revival, but except for, you know, by the gods of grace. That's why I'm, I'm here today. Today's message is from uh, John chapter 1 and verse 14. If we have a Bible, I'm going to read it for you. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the One and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And as I said, I grew up in South Korea, and I'm from South Korea, so I have uh, some southern accent. So please excuse my pronunciation. <laughs> some time ago, I was on the way back home from Memphis, uh, Tennessee, and in the airplane, I started a conversation with a person sitting next to me. And there is a, no place like an airplane to share the gospel because you cannot walk away whether you like it or not, right? <laughs> a Caucasian couple in their 50s uh, was sitting next to me, so I started a conversation. And during the conversation, the gentleman asked to me, so where are you from, David? And I answer with a great pride, I am from the great city of Tacoma, Washington. At the time, I was ministering at Tacoma, Washington. And he said, oh, I see. But he asked this question again. So where are you really from, David? So I answer with confidence. As I said, I'm from Tacoma, Washington. You don't know the city Tacoma? And he seemed a little bit embarrassed. But he said, I had an accent in my pronunciation. So I felt bad, but I understood what he meant. So I said, all right, I'm from South Korea, okay? <laughs> and finally, he was satisfied with my answer. And he said, oh, that's why you have a southern accent. <laughs> and he laughed out loud. And I was laughing with him, and I asked him, now payback time. So, Brother Jason, where are you from? And he answered without hesitation, oh, I'm from Alabama. So I said, oh, that's why you have a southern accent too. <laughs> but I didn't stop there. I asked him, Scott, I can see that. I can see that you are from southern part, but where are you really from? And Scott knew that, knew what I was asking. So after the pause, he said that he was a fifth generation German American. So I said, now we are same, same. We were laughing at each other, and we continued our conversation. And I asked him, so Jason, what do you do for a living? And Jason scratched his head, and he said, actually, I'm a pastor. So I said, 
Me too. And I asked him again, what denomination? And Jason said, what do you think he said? I'm a Baptist pastor. <laughs> and I said to him, me too, I'm a Baptist pastor too. So shortly I told him, we got to know each other and we carried our conversation continually. And I told Jason, whether I'm Korean or you are German, whether the person in front of me is Japanese, Chinese, Filipino, black and white, Spanish, yellow or red or blue, we must share the gospel news with everyone without discrimination. So as a believers of Christ, we must not forget that regardless of where we are from or what type of person we are, we, the, most, the thing that matters most is inclusiveness of the gospel news. The gospel is the good news, and it means Jesus came to this earth. So first characteristic of the gospel is its inclusiveness. So number one, the gospel is inclusive in terms of God's love. The Romans 3.22 proclaims this. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. And verse 29 says this as well. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. So God is the God of all because God created the universe and is a ruler of this world. So when people meet, they introduce themselves and ask each other where they are from. But as a matter of fact, we all came from God and we are all created in God's image. Brothers and sisters, in today's passage, what does he mean by the word that became flesh and made his dwelling among us? We have seen his glory. Honestly speaking, what does he mean when the son of glorious of God, the Messiah, was born in a stable? And what does the son of God being born in this world, the field where the sinners mean? And what does it mean when it says it is filled with God's glory? And you know what? It shows us directly how much God loves sinners. How much God loves sinners. Jesus was the Son of God, yet he came to this world to feel in flesh. When he did the ministry, he was called the friend of sinners. And he did not discriminate against people when he shared the love of God. And that is what means by the Holy Word became flesh. And it is inclusiveness of the gospel. As Romans 5a says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, the famous John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Leonard Sweet the well-known Christian scholar said this in regards to holiness. The Jewish people thought that holiness was about not going to unclean places, but when Jesus came, he corrected this. Jesus was holy, and he went to unclean places. When the light goes to darkness, there will be salvation. So the first purpose of Jesus leaving his heavenly throne and coming to this earth was to seek a sinner like you and I. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. 
The gospel, the good news, is for everyone. Everyone. And that is the first characteristic of the gospel. But on the other hand, the second characteristic of the gospel is the exclusiveness of the gospel. The second, the gospel is exclusive in terms of the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. The uniqueness of Jesus Christ. Now we must remember that we need to proclaim the gospel to all without discrimination. Uh, but there is also another important thing that we must remember. We must not forget the exclusiveness of the gospel. I think personally, the two biggest threats to today's evangelism are syncretism and pluralism. There is a saying that, you know, the end justifies the means. In Korean, all the saying that also, there are many ways to go to Seoul. If we apply this to pluralism, this means if there is a God, there are many ways to go to him. How about syncretism? Syncretism is blending all religions into one. I believe that these two things are the, one of the biggest enemies in Christian faiths, and especially in this postmodern era. Some years ago, uh, one professor of well-known Christian college said the God of Christianity and the Allah of Islam are the same, and it has become a uh, big controversy. So what is the problem here? In 2015, Vatican and the Catholic Pope uh, officially announced that Jewish people do not need to believe Jesus. According to the Pope, since Jewish are the chosen people, there is no need for them to be saved through Christ. I mean, the indulgences have been issued to Jewish people by the Roman Catholic. So what is the issue here? What is the misunderstanding here? This problem happens when you understand the inclusiveness of the gospel shown through the love of God, but you don't understand the exclusiveness of the gospel, which says that Jesus is the only way to salvation. The exclusiveness of the gospel is not arbitrariness, but the truth. Just like biologically, I have only one father and only one mother, the only one who saved me is Jesus, and the only one who created me is my Father God, alone. So there is only one truth in salvation, and there are no other alternatives. Jesus clearly proclaimed this before his crucifixion. As you know, John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus made it clear that He's the only way, he's the only way to Father God. Apostle, Apostle Peter proclaimed this as well. Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. And look at the today's Bible passage again. John 1.13 proclaims the inclusiveness and exclusiveness of the gospel at the same time. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. The Son of God came to this earth as a human being. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the One and only, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. So this means only the Son of God, Jesus, came into this world as flesh. God's glory is only present in Jesus, the Son of God. And in no other places can you find salvation. 
Only Jesus Christ was given to die on the cross for sinners like us. This is a truth that no, no other man-made gods or man-made religions or traditions can mimic. Only Jesus, who came in the flesh and was born in the Bethlehem stable, is the Messiah. Only Jesus is the Messiah. Only Jesus is our salvation. Only Jesus is the Son of God, because only Jesus died for you and I. So can I have an amen? Amen. Amen. No other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. All right. However, we should not only listen to these two points and satisfied by answering with amen. There is nothing worse than that. The third characteristic of the gospel is that the good news is to be shared with others, shared with others. It is very good news that the Son of God came to this earth. What is even more exciting is that I have met the Son of God and accepted that He is the Lord in my life. But is that the end? Is that the end? Is that the purpose of our studying? We finally understand the truth that, know that the truth only comes through Christ. And is that the end? This is good fact, good truth that we have to know. But no, this is not the end. If the good news of the Jesus is the only way to save the world, this must be communicated with the world. We must share it with our neighbors and friends and our families. In Luke 19, there is a man named Zacchaeus, and he lived in the Jericho, and he was the chief tax collector for the Roman Empire. He made a good living, but he was an outcast. Back in this time, the Jewish people looked down on tax collectors and considered them sinners like a prostitute. When he heard that Jesus was coming to his town, and Jacaeus yearned to meet him, and he went up a sycamore tree, fig, sycamore fig tree to see Jesus, and his eyes and Jesus' eyes met together. And what did Jacaeus say when Jesus asked Jacaeus to go to his house together? And Jacaeus confessed that he repented that his sins, and he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And Jesus says something shocking to those who ignored Jacaeus. And I want you to look at the Luke chapter 19, verse 9 through 10, in front of many people, and Jesus proclaimed this. Luke chapter 19, verse 9 through 10. Jesus said to him, Today, today, salvation has come to this house because this man, this man, tax collector, Zacchaeus, this man too is the son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. The lost. What a powerful, what a powerful statement from Jesus Christ. These verses were proclaimed to me, a sinner, by Jesus when I accepted Jesus Christ. So how about you today? I believe that you know, many of you already accepted Jesus Christ, but some of you are still doubting while you are studying master course or college or even PhD degree. I remember that about 25 years ago when I was finishing my master course in Southern Seminary one day, it was, a, uh, it was about Old Testament class, and one gentleman walked away and came to the pulpit, and he was making some testimony that 
He was accepted by seminary, but he didn't accept Jesus Christ at the time. So he was studying and studying, and he had many doubts. But finally, he made a decision to study Bible really. So for a month, and he had a prayer and fasting, and he said that I found Jesus Christ in the Bible. And he really encouraged and stimulated and challenged all the students while you are studying at the seminary level, I want you to find Jesus really. It really challenged my heart. So accepting Jesus Christ is a real matter to our lives before we became a leader. Jesus came for the lost, and that is the heart of our Father God. Many of you who believe Jesus are already found, as I said, then you must go out to the world and share this joy with your neighbors and friends. People in this world ask each other this question, where are I from? Where are I from? But do they really know where they came from? As Jesus said that he came for the lost like Zacchaeus, and we were once God's children, but were blinded by our, our sins and lost our direction in life. But at the same time, at the same time, more important question than where are you from is where are you heading? Then as Christians who have found our way through Jesus Christ, we must proclaim the name of Jesus who is the only Savior to the people without discrimination. About 25 years ago, when the John Piper came to the Southern Seminary where I was studying, what he told us really moved my heart. He said, this seminary is one of the most beautiful places in the world, but at the same time, this place can be the most dangerous place if we don't share Jesus personally with the lost. About 20 years ago, I did church planting in Nashville, Tennessee. It was a small church and very close to each other, about 100 people. Among our congregation, there was a young man who had an intellectual disability and Lugeric, which is ALS, if you know this symptom. One day, all of a sudden, the young man's mother suddenly started losing weight, and she was in the critical stage of ALS. While not being able to receive proper treatment, the mother fell into a deep coma, and the doctor said that she would only have a few days to leave. So I had been taking the mother to the hospital since the day's symptoms started to show and helping in any way I could. They had no money or insurance and came from a financially struggling background. So my heart was so painful as a pastor. Knowing that his mother only had a few days left to leave, the young man asked me to come to the hospital once more. The young man suddenly started crying in the hallway and said this to me. i never forget this. Hey, pastor, I know God, but I do not really know Jesus yet. But you know that I'm trying to know him more. Don't you, pastor? I'm still alive, so I have a chance, but my mother will die soon. Pastor, Please help my mom go to heaven. My mom did attend the church, but I'm not sure if she really knows Jesus. During the preaching, Pastor, you told me that in order to go to heaven, you have to believe in Jesus. You told me that, Pastor. 
Pastor, please help my mom believe in Jesus so that she can go to heaven. The young man cried out with all that he had. So I went to, into the hospital room with 10 other young adults who had been praying for us. And after quietly singing a hymn, I preached the gospel news from John 1.14, John 3.16, and John 14.6, and told her, Ma'am, the only way to be saved is to believe in Jesus Christ. Ma'am, your son wants you to believe in Jesus Christ. And Jesus came to earth to save us, and he died for you and I, and he, he, uh, he shed his blood for us, and if you accept Jesus Christ today, and he will forgive you, I want you to meet Jesus Christ. Continually, I was preaching. But as I said earlier, this woman was in deep coma. But for the sake of the heartbroken young man, there needed to be a display of the acceptance of gospel in this woman's heart, right? We needed some evidence that she really heard and she accepted Jesus Christ, right? So God gave me boldness in my heart. So this is what I said. Ma'am, if we heard the message today, if you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, would you raise up your right hand? <laughs> Again, as I said, she was in deep coma. Would you rise up your hand? I immediately regretted my words, and, and I knew it was really foolish. But you know what? Something amazing happened. The mother who was in deep coma raised her right hand. <laughs> Sometimes those kind of miracles happen in our lives, right? Now this is fun. <laughs> I, asked it, I asked her again to make sure, to make sure in front of, you know, other 10 young adults, you know, brothers and sisters. Ma'am, I want to ask you one more time. Do you accept Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior in your life today? Can you rise up your hand? And she boldly raised her hand a second time. Unbelievable miracle had occurred in front of who were in their room. God has seen the young man's faith and allowed the gospel to be shared together. So not much later, his mother's death, the young man also accepted Jesus Christ, and I baptized him in a swimming pool. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the gospel itself has a power because the essence of gospel is Jesus Christ. When you proclaim it, it has more power. And all of you are entrusted with such a precious task through the churches and mission organizations around the world. Already, you guys are serving in a small church setting or a bigger church setting, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you are involved in mission field. I encourage you all to do everything through the wonder-working power in the name of Jesus Christ. And I hope that you will personally share the good news of Jesus with everyone that you meet. And I think that's really important. We all pastors and preachers and professors, many times we preach and we teach, but if we don't share the gospel news and Jesus personally with the people that we meet every day, it's going to be in vain. And we have to share gospel personally, continually, so that we can experience 
the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? I arrived here, I think Sunday, was it Sunday night? Sunday night. Uh, it took over, I think, more than 20 hours from South Korea to get to here, to, you know, the great city of Kansas City. Uh, we uh, stopped by Atlanta, and layout time it was about two hours, and then another two hours to come to here. As soon as we, you know, got into the airplane inside, and everybody were watching something. <laughs> and with other, my wife and other pastors, we were so wondering, you know, people were so excited to, you know, focus on one channel. So I asked, I asked the question, what, what's going on here? It was a football game. <laughs> Don't you know, brother, you know, Kansas City is playing against Cincinnati right now, man. <laughs> I felt foolish. I didn't know that. <laughs> and everybody was shouting. We got so tired, you know, because of times that lag, you know. For two hours, we couldn't sleep at all. <laughs> for two hours, you know, it was a 10-3 and 10-10. You remember the score, right? 17-10. And by the way, it was a 20-20. It was a tie game. Very close. And I realized that it was an AFC championship, right? By the way, I was a big fan of, you know, University of Kansas City, the, the basketball team at the time. I mean, 20 years ago, yeah. But anyway, I didn't know about football. So it was a very close game. We almost landed at the time. But you know what? The pilot said that uh, I'm not going to drive. Nobody moves. Nobody stand up. We have uh, two minutes left. <laughs> two minutes. Nobody moves. Nobody moves. So he really stopped there. <laughs> On the road, he stopped there. And then the kicker, right? He made the right shot, so they won. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Touchdown, and he moved, and everybody was shouting. And at the time, I thought about the gospel news. The, all the people, I don't know, about 100 people were sitting in the airplane, and they really focused on the one game. And they were yearning for touching down and for the victory. Have you ever thought about that? The power of Jesus Christ, the power of gospel news, when it goes into the heart of many people, touchdown, what's going to happen? Victory and change and transformation. About 140 years ago, Holy Horace Ondod and Heli Apengela who came to you know, Korean Peninsula, the first to the Christian missionary from United States. And after that, there are seven world largest you know, the churches located in Seoul, Korea. Because 140 years ago, your ancestor came to Korea and spread the gospel news. And our church is one of the largest you know, Baptist churches around the world. It planted about 28 years ago. My founder is Pastor Daniel Lee, Daniel Lee. And this chapel name is Daniel Lee. And our church and the pastor Daniel Lee supported to build up this building. Because someone spread the gospel news. Because someone touched down the gospel news. And those kind of miracles happen in the before. But this story shouldn't happen only in the past. It has to go on, go on continually. 
we have to proclaim the gospel news and we have to share personally, continually. I'm so glad that Midwestern Seminary is one of the largest senior seminary in the world. I, I'm very surprised. Dr. Jason Allen and I, we graduated from Southern Seminary actually, not Midwestern Seminary. But today, Midwestern Seminary, I, I hear from many people, Midwestern Seminary is having great revival. A lot of people are coming here to see what's going on. And I can see that the great worship service and the enthusiasm to share the gospel news, to teach the gospel news here. I want you to focus on gospel news. I want you to be successful to share the gospel news. Thanks so much today. Thanks so much for your kindness and hospitality. I want you to share this good news with anyone that you are meeting today. Let's pray together. The gospel is inclusive in terms of God's love. The gospel is exclusive in terms of the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. The gospel is to be proclaimed in terms of God's command. And Father God, thanks so much for today's wonderful worship service and great words from you, Father God. And thanks so much for your blood in Jesus Christ. And thank you for sharing your love through your Son. And help us to share this great news with anyone without discrimination. I bless Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I bless President and the professors, all the leaders here. And thanks so much for giving the great passion and heart toward the evangelism and the gospel news. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much. May God bless you. Amen.